If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Pixel Sift is brought to you by Omni Studio. Now, Omni Studio is a great Aussie podcasting platform that gives you rich analytics, live recording and online editing, one button, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, if you happen to be in the United States, uploads, and rich embeds so you can stick them on your website or anywhere else. If you're keen to try out Omni Studio, you can sign up for free and start taking advantage of all that Omni offers. And if you're ready to take it to the next level, you can enter the code PIXELSIFT. That's P-I-X-E-L-S-I-F-T to get yourself a discount off your next build. So that's Omni Studio for all your podcasting needs. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of Pixel Sift. My name is Gianni and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mitch and Scott. Hey, hey. Hey. Uh, Man, I want to do that thing where like the ABC presenter was like, (gasps) Oh, just like, (laughs) yeah. We'll we'll have to to threaten to sack you, Mitch, and then there'll be a social media campaign to bring you back. Yeah, of course. Um, Each week we look at the news that's rattling around in the world of gaming and we chat to great developers like Nick Smith, who's joining us today from Brisbane from uh, Queensland's Earthwork Games. Nick, thanks for joining us. No problem. Nice to be here. We're looking forward to chatting all about your game, Forts, a little bit later in the show. But what else are we checking out today, Scott? Uh, yes, we'll be starting with a big story that's in the news at the moment. Uh, Atlas, the publisher of Persona 5, is warning streamers not to spoil the game or they will face the consequences. Yes, and we'll be ending the show with G2, more G2A controversy. The developer is just really rubbing everybody the right way right now. Yes, indeed. That's one way of putting <laughs> yeah. it, Mitch. Yeah, but that's the way <laughs> to put it. <laughs> Let's uh, get rolling, shall we? Yeah. So, listener Lachlan Palomara, sorry about the pronunciation there, mate, uh, pushed us on no, this got it story. Right. Yeah, thanks for sending it in again. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, as I said, publisher Atlas has been has been very publicly warning streamers not to spoil plot points in the latest iteration on the Persona series. But con- content creators are still streaming the game despite, and sometimes in spite, of the threat of DMCA takedowns and copyright strikes. It's definitely got us thinking, who's in the right here? Well... It's very. <laughs> it got me thinking for about two seconds, sure. uh, and then uh, you're like, okay. made up. I'm, I've got it sorted. No, I referred to uh, famous famous internet personality, uh, the video game attorney. Okay. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. nice. Throw Good, down. Great source. And on he basically said, uh, "Are we, we going to need him after this? We're going to get him on the show after this. Uh, <laughs> so Nick, stick around. We'll be talking. No. Um, he basically said it's their IP, and a hundred percent." If they say you can't stream this particular thing and they want to issue a DCMA takedown for this particular 
you know, content that they don't want out there, then that's up to them and it's well within their rights to do so. Mm-hmm. So what I think is in- really interesting about this is it's kind of prompted this discussion where influencers and people who play games and do Let's Plays and streaming and stuff is very important to the marketing mix of a lot of games. Uh, Atlas is a Japanese developer, maybe doesn't have the same, um, you know, grasp of that sort of uh, influencer marketing. Maybe they do know it and they're just too worried about people spoiling their story rich and and heavy, uh, you know, plot-based game of Persona 5. Um, But, yeah, there's been a lot of conversation about what that actually means and, you know, what uh, people sort of can expect and what are their sort of rights when they're doing these things. Do companies actually consider the streaming angle as part of their marketing campaign? Do they? Do you think they actually, like, or is it just, you know, a kind of added bonus? That's a good question, Nick. Yeah. Do you consider <laughs> the streaming and influencer marketing thing when you're, you're just about to put out a new game coming out next week? Was that something that you were thinking about when you were, were putting it all together and, and pushing it out there? Um, well, the way we approached it was we did do early access, um, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and so we didn't have like a, a sort of player base uh, ready and waiting for the game. And we need to drill up a bit of um, you know excitement and hype for the game. And uh, we decided that uh, approaching influencers, uh, be it Twitch or YouTube, uh, with a preview version of the game, so not the entire game, um, but a cut down version, maybe a third of the game, uh, and let, letting them play it. Uh, so we had already had some interest from various YouTubers through Twitter or just emailing us directly after our private beat before Christmas. And we found that they were really enthusiastic. They wanted to play it. They're still making videos now. Um, and we've just generated a whole lot of interest uh, through that side of things. And that's been really helpful for us. Um, uh, we you know we went from, you know, hundreds of uh, wish list. Uh, editions on on our Steam store page to thousands uh, over the last sort of two or th- uh, three or four weeks. So it's been really, really, really useful. Um, yeah, uh, definitely a very valid uh, avenue to go down if you're trying to promote your game. See, that's it. Generally, this kind of behaviour is seen as ad- like it's it's you know it's free advertising for the game. It's promotion. Uh, it's getting people into it. Um, and I've seen a lot of this um, push from people saying, oh, it's you know it's it's about the developers not wanting the game to be spoiled. It's like, oh, come on. The, this game's been out since September in Japan. Like, the spoilers are out there if people want to be spoiled. Uh, it's just that they, point, they don't want people to experience it before they've purchased it, especially through Twitch. Um, this is a game where it's, it's a lot of... It's not as... It's basically, if you're watching it, you, you've, you've played it kind of thing. So I think that's what they're worried about. And at the end of the day, like, you know, people that are going to watch it it's an active decision to watch, uh, you know, a Let's Play or some spoilers or whatever. And those people may or may not purchase it either way. So I don't think it's as big a deal as they're seeming to make it. I'm it, not I'm not sure if this it's is... Damage, a... Sorry, it's going to damage their reputation and image as well, like beyond what they're trying to prevent, I feel. In, in a similar situation, um, I believe the recent Super, the Wii U version of Super Smash Brothers didn't have any cutscenes on it. Because the developer was just like, well, Nintendo was just like, well, look, people are just going to stream the cutscenes and post them online, so we're not going to make them. So So everybody loses out. Yeah, so I guess they just didn't do it. And it seems, at the time, everyone was like, well, that seems like a very nice excuse to just not do as much work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think, which is is really interesting about the Persona game. I can, I can. Oh, sorry, Nick, go for it. 
I was just going to say, yeah, I can uh, see where they're coming from because cutscenes is a ton of work. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, sort of bang for buck as far as content goes. It looks nice. It's nice packaging, and I'm glad we got them in there. But the amount of time you spend on that, you could add a lot of content. One of the things about the Persona game in particular is that, yes, they're like for people who don't really know, it's sort of a game where you kind of play out a year in your life, and a lot of what it is is sort of sort of mundane high school life, and there's also relationships sort of you know, we can have almost like a, a bit like a dating sim. You can have sort of those sort of things and build uh, friendships with people. Um, and that's going to be different for every single person who plays the game. There are going to be certain bits which are going to be scripted and there's going to be bosses and all of that sort of thing. Um, but the rest of it's going to be quite different for everyone who, who tries it out. So, you know, I I just wonder with this particular thing, people are always going to be putting videos online and you can go after them with a heavy stick to try and to take them down. Um there is, there's been a lot of sort of negative chat about yeah. this, you know, and there have been a lot of streamers who have basically flat out said we don't want to even touch this thing. Um, we're not going to have anything to do with it. Maybe we'll play at our own private time, but it's not worth taking a DCMA strike. Um, which- but on the flip side, there's been people that are going to be like, well, screw them. I'm doing this anyway. And they have. They've done it. Uh, okay, just for people that, that are playing at home as well, um, they're essentially players can release stream content but they've been given until the in-game date of the 7th of the 7th, and after that they have to stop, um, and that's what's happening. So there is stuff out there. It's just that they didn't want any of the main kind of story and the major boss fights to be ruined, which is fair enough. I know where they're coming from. It's just poor execution. Like, you can't tell people what to do. I think it's... I mean, they've been pretty okay with it, but I think it's just been overshadowed by the very large stick that they're waving at the stream yeah. community only because of one aspect of the game that they're not allowed to and stream. Telling people not to do stuff like in this way, especially on the internet, is always going to end up poorly for you. Oh, look, you know, isn't that what always works? Telling people not to do things on yeah. the internet? Isn't that the exact way to Barbara <laughs> Streisand your way into... <laughs> Into massive notoriety, <laughs> right? Barbara yeah. Str- All right, you got to explain that one to me later. Uh, Barbara Streisand. Uh, I, I can give you the context, but you could Google it okay. on the internet. I think it's probably worth looking up the Barbara Streisand effect. Okay. Um, look, it's really interesting with this particular topic. I think uh, there's going to be people who sort of approach this from different perspectives. Um, you know, Nick, you've said that it was very valuable for you to kind of increase the sort of uh, engagement and getting people into the game and playing, having your player base kind of built up before your launch, which is happening next week. Um, and there's other people who would just prefer to have it all purchased and you just have a solo experience and there's no shared community in that at all. And that's cool because it's your IP and you can do what you want. Yeah. With that, though, let's jump into our next topic. Did you know PixelSiv is available on other platforms? You can find previous episodes on iTunes, Pocket Casts, YouTube and on the PixelSiv website. Nick, you are from Earthwork Games. You're from Brisbane. You're just about to release a game. How are you feeling at this very point in time uh, in the very short days before your game comes out? I'm feeling pretty good and surprisingly uh, relaxed at this very point in time at 7.40 p.m. uh, AEST. (laughs) Um, But, you know, as I I was saying... um, you never know what could sort of come out. So, you know, you, you remember thinking, oh, we should do this or we, we need to get that done before launch. You know, uh, someone might remember something and all of a sudden it's action stations. Now, for people who haven't had a chance to play your game, but you've, you, I mean, you've taken it to a lot of different places around the world. Um, could you kind of give us a little bit of a, an overview of, of what it is and, and how, how it kind of came about? 
Sure. So Forts is a, basically a 2D artillery game. Um, it's physics-based RTS where you build your forts, arm them to the teeth, and blow each other the bits. Uh, so it has all the, the tropes of uh, an, a strategy game such as resource collection, tech tree development, weapon unlocking. But at the same time, you're also building a base, making sure it's structurally sound. It doesn't get knocked over by the slightest breeze and it can take a, a pounding. And as you're building, the enemy's building, as you're shooting, the enemy's shooting. So it's all in real time. There's no turns. There's no build phase. Uh, you know, if you got your build order correct and you get to the big guns first, you can get the first shot in and possibly win. Um so that's basically the, the the central facet of the game. How quickly do people kind of pick that up, this sort of idea of, of building these bases and, and kind of managing this build order? Uh, I, I asked you this question when we were at um, PAX, actually, at, at PAX Australia, because for me, I struggled. I, I've played a lot of RTS sort of style games. I know about managing all that sort of stuff, but trying to get everything under control um, felt a little bit... Uh, a bit daunting. Um, how quickly do people pick it up? Am I just terrible at the game? Um, I think it's one of those things where it's deceptively deep. Uh, there's a lot of facets to the game. People just think it's going to be, you know, uh, worms or angry birds kind of just blast them sort of thing. Um, but there's a lot to, to take on the game. And in fact, we did a private beta before Christmas. We got a bunch of feedback from that. We've just been doing this influencer outreach. So it, it's been really useful uh, we just wanted to get the word out there, you know, and obviously, you know, help uh, the the influencers and YouTubers out there who wanted to play the game as well. But it's had a really good silver lining where we can actually watch how they're playing a the game and seeing where, you know, some parts aren't being communicated that well. And we can, you know, make changes to the game to hopefully make it a bit more streamlined. So that's really helped. Um, yeah, because I think people sort of see the game, they just want to get blasted and then realize what's involved. Uh, so with the single player campaign, we've got tutorial at the beginning. And then as you go through the campaign, we sort of drip feed the features to sort of like handhold the player through the different facets of the game uh, with the hopes that by the end of it, uh, at the end of the campaign, they feel like they can take on uh, the AI in a skirmish or another player in multiplayer. What's the, I know you can play with many different people. You can share forts as well into sort of cooperative sort of thing. What's the the best and most ideal number of players to play this game? Um, and is it sort of best to have people all in the same room in like a LAN situation or, or is it still fun to play uh, with people all around the world? Um, I think we, we witnessed from the, the, uh, the YouTubers playing it that 2v2 seems very popular. Um, you know, 1v1 is good, but it has a, a level of intensity and personal responsibility i guess you'd say it gets quite you know quite tense whereas 2v2 is a bit more laid back you've got a teammate there and stuff you can share responsibilities um and people just enjoy that it creates a really good atmosphere you know the 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 sort of whimsical nature of thoughts wobbling and falling over lends itself to that and and the physics is you know a joy to watch things being destroyed um even if it's your own sometimes so i think 2v2 seems to be the way to go um, for maximum enjoyment. And Nick, how do you ex- kind of compare this experience to working with some of the other companies that you've worked with in the past? You worked with some of the big names. Um, you've worked with uh, Defi- Defiant, um, with uh, and Sega as well. Um, how does it compare to sort of making a little game studio on your own and giving yourself your own title and um, you know making something uh, just as as a team of three? Yeah, uh, it's quite a lot different, actually. I mean, in the bigger companies, you're more of a cog in the machine. Um, whereas, obviously, now with just three of us, you know, we've got 
there's me doing the art, there's Tim Aldi's doing the programming and there's Jeff Van Dyke doing the sound and music. Um, and so we've all got distinct areas and, you know, and it's also a really collaborative process where we try and ideas, bounce ideas off each other. And it's really fun to sort of make the game that you want to make. So that's the plus side. And the negative side is all the stuff you don't even consider when you're working in a part of a big company, like all the biz dev stuff, talking contracts, you know, trying to get, you know, doing all the social media, the community management, the emails, all that kind of things. It takes up a surprising amount of time. Well, yes. Speaking of time, I mean, interestingly, this project started uh, back in 2003, if I'm correct. And uh, you joined the team only in 2008. Uh, Am I right with that? Um, Yes. So how much has it changed since then? And what was the game like when you joined on? Uh, So, yeah. I mean, Tim wrote the first lines of code in 2003, and then by the time I joined, or he approached me, he needed some art for the game, so I joined in 2008. Uh, saw that the the game had potential. That you know, the central premise was good. The you know, the physics was essentially there. You know, that 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 part was really solid from the beginning. Um, and when I first joined on, there's some sort of basic assets in there. They're 3D, so it was almost like 2.5D kind of game. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, being a so traditionally uh, a 2D artist, you know, drawing pen and paper or Photoshop kind of thing, I was keen to have a more 2D aesthetic to it. Um, and so, first thing was to go down the, the the art direction route and just skin up one level to see what it could look like. And you know, Tim liked what he saw, and so just started rolling with that, replacing assets of my artwork. Um, I got the first you know faction and environments and effects in there. Um, and then from then, like the last few years, we just doing adding factions, adding environments, adding the single player campaign, you know, adding a whole bunch of stuff. Just fattening, fattening up the game for everybody. Exactly. Nick, uh, when you've been, so I'm in 2008, so, you know, eight ish years ago Oof, now, you yeah, know, quite a, quite a while. Um, yeah. It's, is it good to get to this point to now say we're launching next Thursday? You'll be able to play it and get it Woo! in your hands and you'll be able to say to all these people that have been following your game, yep, you can get it now. It's you know, it's not just coming a little bit later, quarter, whatever, or something like that. Yeah, no, it is really good. Uh, it's a really good feeling. Um, people really respond to the fact that you've made something and you're finishing it and you put it out there. There's, I just find there's a lot of people... Um, who start things and say they're doing stuff, but it's only once you deliver that it really counts and uh, people really respect that. Uh, so it's really gratifying, uh, you know, when people are you know, wishing you well and that sort of thing. And obviously, you know, in a week's time, we'll know, we'll have a good idea of how, how well it's gone, but fingers crossed, it's all been worth it. And it's nice to sort of get something finished and get it out there. Um, you know, we're on the home straight now. So Very yeah, it's, it, is, it is a good feeling. Yeah, yeah. Nick, we've got a question um, from Twitch. Someone's asking you to take it all the way back to the beginning and what's the best way? (laughs) So this is Crazy Wolf Girl asking, uh, what's the best way for you to start making a video game? If you were going to start another one, if you're going to make Forts 2 tomorrow, um, how would you start it? Wow. Wow. Um, Well, I'm an artist. Yeah. I'm the artist. So, um, you know, there's plenty of, a lot of people, like one of the things that our game has different to, a lot of the indie games out there is that ours is a um, a custom engine. Um, Tim's built in C++ and Lua script uh, from the ground up as opposed to using Unreal or Unity. Um, so that is that sort of does stand us out 
um, from the from the crowd. Um, having said that, you know, apparently uh, Unity is pretty easy to pick up, and indeed that's what we use at um, Defiant Development for Hand of Fate. Um, you know, so I do know plenty of people have just picked that up and just started tinkering around with it and stuff, and you know, getting up a, a basic game pretty quickly. Um, but you know, having an idea in the first place is is a is it's a big a step. Start. It's a help. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I guess yeah. having a good team around you also makes a big difference, doesn't it? So you can find people who complement your skills. And uh, you I know. would suggest using your username as a starting point for your game. Yeah. <laughs> so Ray Styles, yeah. uh, if you're going to yeah. be following yeah. Nick on Twitter, uh, Nick, yeah. the game comes out next week. Uh, if people want to find out a bit of uh, about it, if they want to, you know, check out some good stuff that people have been putting together, where's the best place for them to sort of head to? So the first place be our website, uh, earthworkgames.com. Um, and then you want to find out more, you can just search for Forts on uh, Steam Store. Uh, the, the Steam page is up. Um, and then, of course, go to YouTube, put Forts Game into YouTube. You'll find a ton of Let's Play videos there. And then we've got a Facebook page, um, earthwork, uh, sorry, facebook.com slash earthworkgames, and then Twitter at earthworkgames. So there's plenty of places to find us. And, of course, you can head to the show notes for this episode as well where you'll find links to all of that sort of stuff. You can find Nick on Twitter. Um, Nick, we've got another question just quickly. Uh, if someone wants to kind of get into the industry and do some networking, what would you suggest is the best way to sort of approach it? Networking. Hey, well, that is one side of things that I, I'm not that comfortable with. Uh, the, the, the idea, like, I don't mind, I'm quite a social person, but whenever I go to something and I feel like, oh, I should do some networking, it, was, it just feels a bit... Uh, you know, on. trying to talk to someone. Yeah, yeah, you know, trying to talk to someone with the name of getting something out of them. Is, uh, but you know, that is part of you know running your own business and stuff. And I would suggest probably the best way to, is to go to something like Pax Australia, which is has a great atmosphere. Everyone like the, the the game dev indie dev scene in in Australia is great. Everyone's really friendly, and um, you know, uh, so I'd go to something like that. There's a bunch of events and in, in the evenings and things. Everyone's really welcoming. Um, and if you want to get into game, it's always good to have something to offer. You know, if you're an artist, have a portfolio or, you know, a website going or something. Or if you're a designer, you know, design board game. Uh, or, you know, if you're not technically minded or if you're technically minded, put together a little prototype, that sort of thing. It's always good to have something to show rather than just popping up there and saying, oh, I like games. Do you make games? So oh, let's be friends. It's, um, you know. It definitely helps you, you know, show what you have to offer and your enthusiasm and, starts, know, and know what you're talking about. It just starts the conversation, doesn't it? You can say, exactly. I'm making this. And oh, yeah. we can like, oh, great, I'm making yeah. this. Uh, Solid yeah. advice. Nick, uh, stick with us. But right now we're going to jump into our next topic. Pixel Sieve. It's not Pixel Sieve. It's Pixel Sift. Pixel Sieve. Is my, he- is my headphone hair really that bad? Yeah, it's Some, something is you it, can't tell like, in an audio medium. So if you're listening in the <laughs> car, hair, hair for uh, radio. Mitch's hair has yeah. got some. Yeah, hair for radio is a good way to put it. <laughs> I just got, got people in the comments going, "Yeah, oh, his hat hair. Oh, his his uh, headphone hair." <laughs> anyway, reg- let's moving on. So G2A and Gearbox are at each other's throats, and people pretty much saw this coming when the partnership was formed. Almost when um, Bulletstorm the um, what's that with Gearbox's Bulletstorm? The full clip edition was released exclusively on G2A, and people are really wondering why they kind of made that decision. And it's kind of blown up in their face. And yep, they are now not friends anymore. 
<laughs> Basically, what Gearbox has kind of uh, sort of stipulated is they said to G2A, which is a, a third party sort of key reselling service, um, come under. Uh, it's got a shady reputation. It's got. A, I was going to say it's come under question. Well, um, I just I feel like this is more to the point. <laughs> it's come under question in the past um, for basically, uh, especially and, and Nick, you may need may be able to sort of talk to this as well. Um, but basically, taking some of the keys that people would request, uh, saying that they're allegedly selling selling game, selling game keys from um, stolen credit cards, stolen credit cards, or if people pretend to be YouTubers and they request like fifty keys and then go and sell them mm-hmm. on sell them onto um, to platforms like G2A. Uh, Rami Ismail of Vlambeer very famously said uh, that he would much prefer people to pirate his games than to buy them off yeah. G2A. Um, and basically Gearbox have kind of come out and said that they wanted their uh, some of their business practices to change. Some of those included uh, if there was f- uh, fraud protection should no longer be a a service that you have to subscribe to. It should be free and available to everyone. Um, they wanted to be able to have a, an API or a database where uh, developers who have sent out keys can search for a batch of keys and say, has this been sold on G2A or was it um, given away or h- how do these keys kind of come about and sort of better uh, business practices, a bit more transparency. So. And they threw down as well. They gave them, I think, 24 hours to make these changes to the the, the core backbone of their system. And I'm pretty sure they knew what they I were doing. I think get, it was they, a bit longer than that, but oh, yeah, they, they did yeah. throw down an 60 ultimate. Days. Yeah. 60, oh, 60 days. 60 days. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was 24 hours. No, it was, Whoops. <laughs> it was a good amount of time. Mm. But Okay. Yeah. Nick, are you worried about uh, you know the keys that you've been sending out ending up on these sort of third-party marketplaces? It's definitely, uh, it comes into your considerations. I mean, whenever we've been approached by YouTubers and stuff, we're always careful to validate uh, them as being who they say they are for for this very reason. Um, But it seems an incredibly murky business operation. Um, And yeah, we we, our stuff's coming out, uh, Forts will be coming out on Steam and uh, Humble Store. So it's all DRM stuff. So uh, that should make it more difficult for people to on-sell the keys, but it's you know it is a concern in the back of the, the back of your mind. It must take time as well to you know check all these people out who who email in and um, you know as soon as their the game comes out, there may be yeah you know, every email that comes in. Yeah, um, is it going to get to a point where you could say, look, we're just going to have to accept a bit of, of of reselling, or is this something that you're really going to stamp down on if you can? I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, we don't really know until the game comes out you know, how well it's going to do, you know, how popular it is. I mean, you know, a game that's not very popular, not going to have that problem. Um, whereas the game is very popular. It, I guess there's a threshold. Um, you know, you sort of hit a tipping point where you've st- you, you're that successful that people are searching everywhere for the keys. Um, so, you know, who knows? It, it might be one of those problems where you're like, well, you know, we were successful enough that now we're on G2A. Yeah, um, you know, people you want know. to fraudulently get our game. <laughs> yeah. They just want to get exactly, You know, do you yeah. think? Um, do you think there is uh, a sort of an expectation with players that you know, with pricing, that they're just trying to get to the absolute lowest value they can? And does, does that sort of make you think about the work that you're doing? That people would want to pay, you know, cents on the dollar for for a key for your game? Yeah, the pricing is really really sort of strikes a chord of people i mean um we we've only just in fact yesterday was when we first announced uh, the price of the game 
Uh, and up to that point, people have been ever since we did a green light about 18 months ago, people say, like, How much is it going to cost? Like, it shouldn't cost more than this. And they're all like, you know, trying to put pressure on you as if, you know, one Steam player is going to make the difference. But they're all, you know, not all of them, obviously, you know, but definitely a few, let's say the vocal minority. Mm. Um, yeah, the pricing seems to really stick in people's mind and, and the, the, the way they value their time. You know, you buy a game like ours, you're going to play it for, you know, depends if you play multiplayer and stuff. But the single player campaign is going to last you, you know, uh, 10 hours, let's say, you know, depends on your skill. Um, and it's going to cost $15, um, you know, but you buy a pizza for more than that and it's gone in no time or, you know, three cups of coffee or, you know, a couple of pints of beer. Um, but when it comes to games, people are like, whoa. Fifteen bucks. Whoa, yeah, I don't yeah. know. You can tell. You, know? you can tell Nick's from Queensland because a couple of pints of beer will cost you fifteen dollars. <laughs> and in that's WA, here, that's mate. like a, a bit of a pint. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe about ninety percent of right. a pint. Right. <laughs> Fifteen fifty. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you, no, yeah. you're right. Unfortunately, that that is the vocal minority um, that do kind of by proxy represent a far greater um, people than they actually do physically represent in the real world. Um, but they're they're the loudest. So they get heard. Well, personally, the way I justify buying a game is I always compare it to a movie ticket, which is roughly $21 here in Perth. Oh. Is that roughly about there? That's yeah. rough. Yeah. I don't know. And, I go to the cheap ones. And I go, and I'm like, okay, I could pay $21 for an hour of entertainment, an hour and a half, or I could go and pay $70 for a, a, a AAA for game. months of entertainment. Yeah, for months of entertainment, a social entertainment as well, depending yeah. on what kind of game it is. So that that's always the way I trick myself into buying games instead. Of course, then I also go and see a movie that week as well. I think interest actually, <laughs> yeah. just again off what Nick was saying there, that, that vocal minority, like how they value their time, I think that's really pathetic because, yeah, the, the cost of things in this world these days is ridiculous. And games by, like, you know, in contrast, are quite cheap, really, especially if you're getting games like, uh, you know, indie games that, like yourself, they, they're mm. a pittance, really, in, in, in the big splash of things. Look, it's yeah. this is going to be something that's going to keep happening. Humble have actually made some good steps as well now that allow you to yeah. re-gift your keys if to, to other people. If you have already purchased a bundle and you, you get it in another bundle, you can say, mm. you know, I can send a game to Mitch or I can send a game to Nick. Humble or I can, do it all right. Yeah, and I, and I think something like that is, is yeah, good. And this definitely. DRM free movement is also really good as well because it allows people to kind of, you know, be in good faith. And yeah. I think that's um, what we would really want and for people to be paid for the hard work that they put in, you know, exactly. for a game like Forts, yeah. which has been worked on for more than a decade. Yeah, yeah. 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 $15 for it. I think it. that's pretty, not even like $1 a year or something yeah. like that. Um, Nick, yeah, thank don't, you. Don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're going to sell millions of copies. So uh, especially with your. your, your well, your, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the dream. Uh, Nick, well, yeah. I think I, I get the sense that Johnny is about to wrap up. Mm. Yeah. But um, we had one more question just from earlier on the show. And uh, so I'm wondering, how did you learn to get into the games industry? Uh, the, more specifically, LimboBot01 asks, did you go to uni or TAFE to learn? I went skills? to, uh, yeah, I went to uni. I did animation as a degree. So uh, did animation. This is back in the UK. Did animation there. Came out. Uh, we had a end of year show in London, new designer show in Islington, and from there, um, uh, someone from EA contacted me and a couple of my friends, and we went for an interview down there. Um, didn't get that job, but it made me think, okay, games. Before I was just thinking animation, okay, games. You know, I like playing games and stuff, and so I put together, you know, ten mini portfolios. This is back in the day where you know, it was physically mailing actual portfolios. This is like two thousand. 
year 2000 sent them off and then got a, got a job through that and that's sort of how I, how I got into the games industry you know what do you like better do you like uh, you know animation now or are you more into the game stuff is it kind of does that tick all the boxes or can you do everything that you'd want to do in animation in games uh, I, I mean I have done a bit of animation in forts um, but I prefer drawing uh, like you know character design. Uh, come up with the look of the game, you know, or designing different weapons, that sort of thing. More, yeah, animation I don't do so much. It's just so time-consuming. And, um, yeah, there's also uh, an enjoyment. Like, the single-player campaign was essentially designed mission to mission by me, and that was uh, enjoyable as well in its own way, um, you know, coming up with different ideas and see if they work and stuff, then having people play them. Um, so, yeah, uh, well, look, animation can-, can be fun. And people can play your game next Thursday, uh, coming out on the 19th. Thursday? That's Wednesday. Wednesday? Yeah. Next Wednesday. How do, yeah. how do dates work? In six days. In six days' time, <laughs> yeah. you can check out yeah. uh, the single player, you can check out the multiplayer, mm-hmm. uh, you can check it all out. Um, all the links for that will be on our website, which Ooh, is www.pixelsift.com.au. Uh, Scott, we've got social media. Mm. Yeah, we, we do, and uh, most people do. So if you are on it, go, go and find us at facebook.com forward slash pixelsift, twitter.com forward slash pixelsift, twitch.tv forward slash pixelsift, and youtube.com forward slash pixelsiftau. And Mitch, our older episodes, which are now available in a, in a brand new format, um, where can they be found? Yeah, so they can still be found in the same place, actually, even though in a different format, on iTunes, Pocket Castle, using the RSS link on our page. And if you're listening to us exclusively on these platforms, I yeah, just want to remind you that we go live every fortnight. Yeah. So, and also thanks to uh, the Twitch audience. You've been awesome tonight. Yeah, thanks. And, and if Lachlan you, for sending in the <laughs> yeah. story ideas. If you've got any of those. It's a champion effort from all of our uh, listeners. And, uh, and especially Nick for joining fans. us as well. Nick, good <laughs> luck with the launch. Uh, we will chat to you again soon. Thank you. And we'll see everyone else uh, in two weeks' time for the next episode of Pixel Sift. Later. See ya. See ya. Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled.